If you would, turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalms. We're looking at Psalm 122 this morning. Psalm 122. I've been praying now for weeks as far as what uh, the Lord would have us to bring concern, at, at this our first Sunday back. And this psalm kept coming back to mind. Quite frankly, I've prepared this message a month ago. Uh, just waiting for the opportunity for us to be back together and just... We want to share these thoughts with you this morning. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's just nine verses, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 122. Verse 1 states, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the Lord, uh, under the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. This Psalm 122 is a psalm of degrees, or a song of degrees. We'll get to that in a moment. But when you think about how David is rejoicing in the opportunity to be there at Jerusalem. Every year, millions of tourists travel to Israel. In fact, how many of you have been to Israel at one time or another? Okay, a number. Very good. Boy, it's a great place to visit. You know, it's not like home, but nonetheless... Many people go to visit Jerusalem, and primarily Christians now go to be able to walk the streets where Jesus walked and to be able to see the sights as described in Scripture. But many of those who visit Jerusalem return again and again, recognizing there's something truly special about that ancient city. And as believers, our spiritual roots are there. Jerusalem is the center of our past, according to Scripture. It is also the center of our glorious future. We can talk about all the different world capitals, but Jerusalem is going to be the center of activity as we see Bible prophecy come to pass in the next few years. And by the way, if you haven't noticed this whole world situation that we see ourselves in, we are seeing prophecy worked out around us. That's why these are exciting days. Again, no need to be fearful of what's going on. Rejoice, for we see the Word of God being fleshed out around us. And it's it's pretty incredible when you think about it. But Psalm 122, getting back to this, it is the first of three songs of ascent written by David. Also Psalm 131 and 133. This psalm uh, indicates it was penned by David for use of the people of Israel when they came up to Jerusalem to worship at the three solemn feasts annually. And then generations later, it was sung again by God's people after the Babylonian captivity. So with renewed gratitude, those returning from exile sang this psalm and other psalms of praise, rejoicing that they would once again have an opportunity to enter the city of David and to worship in the city of our God. This psalm, proclaims the privilege of standing inside the gates of Jerusalem. The joy and gladness of these people in that holy city 
ought to be demonstrated by us as New Testament believers who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're going to look at this psalm. And yes, I realize it's a psalm of degrees. It's a psalm of ascent. It's a song in regard to those going to Jerusalem to worship. But I'd like to use it by analogy today as an example for how we ought to enter the house of the Lord and worship him. So we're going to go look at seven things in this psalm, emphasizing this great joy. So why, we asked the question this morning, why am I glad to be in the house of the Lord? The first thought, here, church is the place of God's presence. Notice verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. An amazing thing about this psalm, it begins and ends at the same spot. Verse 9, because the house of the Lord, our God, will, or I will seek thy good. David rejoiced at the opportunity to go to the house of the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. He loved being in God's presence. And here we see his heart leapt with excitement and joy at the thought of going into the house of the Lord to their worship. Like David, our hearts should be equally excited about coming to the house of God. We recognize the church is the body of believers that are gathered here together today. This building is the church house. It's where we meet. However, the scripture does refer to the church as the house of God. Now, let's not be fooled. Of course, there's no house big enough for God to dwell. Think about the tabernacle when it was completed there in the wilderness by Moses and the Israelites. said the uh, glory of God in a filled the house so there was no room for anyone. You know, you think about that. This place isn't big enough for God to uh, exist with us and physically, if we were to say it that way, but... It represents the place where God dwells. First Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I hear some say, well, you can't, you don't refer to this as the house of God. It's not the house of God. God dwells in heaven. Well, yes, he does, but he also dwells in my heart. And he dwells in your heart. And the scripture refers to this as the house of God. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Hebrews 10.25, God encourages us to gather together to enter into the place of his presence. And certainly that's a good reason to be glad to gather together today. Now we can be excited because we're finally together after two months of being away. But, beloved, how about when we get back into our routine, when it's Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and think, oh, man, i just like a break. You had your break, okay? What a joy to be able to gather together. Whatever time of year it is, we ought to rejoice in the opportunity to gather together because this is the place of God. J.C. Penney, which by the way, if you didn't know, the founder of the J.C. Penney department store chain was a, a very devout Christian. And how sad we see that organization having filed for bankruptcy this last week, but, or this, a couple of weeks ago. But J.C. Penney was credited with saying, if a man's business requires so much of his time that he cannot attend the services of his church, then that man has more business than God intended him to have. Being in a place of God, 
For worship ought to be, uh, ought to be that which brings joy to our hearts. Notice verse 2. We see not only are we glad because this is a place of God's presence, but it's a place of God's people. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Notice that. Our feet. It's us, the people of God, to be able to gather together. You know, if you've noticed any of the comments online about, you know, people saying, well, I don't understand. You know, they'll take a picture of Lowe's or they'll take a picture of Home Depot or Walmart or when the restaurants start Cracker Barrel. And they say, this is what it looks like in these places. But then they take a picture of a church parking lot and it's empty. Doors are locked. Say, when do we get back together? Well, it's because God's people have a desire to gather together, just like we sang together. We gather together to worship the Lord. What a joy to know that we are together here as God's people. You see, Israel was a nation of tribes, large extended groups who descended from, of course, Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob, being the father of the uh, the 12 sons that made up the 12 tribes of Israel. But each tribe operated independently on a day-to-day basis. You had the tribe of Gad and Reuben and Asher and Zebulun and Judah and Benjamin and so on. And they were all scattered out. They had their own locations. They had their own things that they did. But they came together to Jerusalem to worship. And when they got to Jerusalem, they were one people. It wasn't when they got to Jerusalem, oh, this is where the, the, the children of Gad hung out. And uh, you go over to this, this uh, eatery, and this is where the children of Benjamin went out. When they got to Jerusalem, they were one people before God, worshiping the Lord God of heaven. We come from different backgrounds, different locations, different levels of education, uh, different uh, interests. Thank God that we are each unique in the eyes of the Lord. The scripture tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you the way he wants you to be. But yet when we come together here in church, we are one body before our Lord. A group of people voluntarily banded together to worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy to know that this is a place where God's people meet. Psalm 89, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Ephesians 2.19 tells us, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What a joy to know. We are a part of the family of God. And as brothers and sisters, we can gather together and worship the Lord and in spirit and in truth. Someone has written, one of the least obvious and most tragic changes in the past 50 years is the diminishment of the centrality of the local church in the life of many Christians. Isn't that true? The Lord's Day was once considered a special day dedicated to the worship and service of God. It's now treated like any other day by many professing believers. Oh, listen, God's people, God's people ought to rejoice for the opportunity to gather together in the house of God before the Lord. You know, there are many people around this world who don't have that privilege because of the uh, um, religious oppression they face in their nation. It wasn't necessarily oppression, but you think about the fact that we've not been allowed to meet together for now some two months What a blessing that we have once that little stay-at-home thing is lifted and we feel safe to get back together. But what about for those who, if they gather together in a setting like this, do so in fear? 
knowing their lives could be disrupted or taken at any moment. And beloved, that's not just talk. That happens around the world on a regular basis. We have an opportunity to be together. We ought to rejoice and take advantage of it. Notice verse 3. Church is the place of God's protection. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. You see, when the people came to Jerusalem, it being a great walled city, and by the way, walls around a city represented security to the people who were inhabitants there. And of course, it was God who ultimately protected the people of Israel, and specifically the city of Jerusalem. And we know, according to Scripture, when God removed his hand of protection, things fell apart. But here, David is speaking of the fact that the people were secure in Jerusalem. And similarly, we find a measure of security of be, when being faithful here to the local church. We can be glad that we can gather together. And we know our salvation is secure, but it's not dependent upon our regular church service. But we are encouraged as we gather together to know we're being accountable to God's people. You see, my coming to church isn't going to impact whether or not I'm saved, but my being faithful to church is going to have a big deal to do with how right I am with the Lord and one another. You think about how we benefit from being in the house of God. We come under the preaching of the Word of God. We're exposed to the uh, the instructions of Scripture, and it helps to create a level of security and confidence in how we live and conduct our daily activities so that we can go from here knowing... I I pretty much understand what God wants me to do. I understand how God wants me to act. I got a good idea of what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not supposed to say. And to go from here and say, all right, Lord, we're going to do it. God, we're going to go ahead and exercise these things that we learned in church today. You know, you're less likely to backslide when you're under the authority of the word of God. And when you're around God's people. All the security, the safety, the confidence we can gain from being in church together. That's one reason we can be glad, or that's another reason we can be glad. Jesus said, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's something to say about the safety God affords those who are faithful to worship him and be in the house of the Lord. Then we note in verse 4, we can be glad because church is a place of God's praise. Verse 4, whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. You see, Jerusalem was the fixed or appointed place of worship. It was the worship center of Israel. And when the people came together, they came together in unity and acknowledged that God actually ordained a place, an actual physical location where God wanted his people to worship. And we today need to recognize that same accountability, that same uh, identification that God has placed upon the local church. You know, we gather together to worship. And I realize somebody can say, I can worship God just as well at home. That's true. I can worship the Lord on the beach, the golf course, or in a cow pasture. Well, that's true. But you don't have to be all that careful about the cow patties in church. You know, that's a good thing. But though we can worship the Lord anywhere on Sunday morning, 
we can worship the Lord more effectively and more obediently by gathering together with God's people in his house, the appointed place of his worship. And that doesn't mean this is the only place you worship. We are supposed to walk with the Lord on a daily basis wherever we go all throughout the week. But one day a week, God has established his church the first day of the week, may I say. Sunday is a place where God wants us to corporately, collectively, as a group of believers, worship. You know, a lot of people get worked up about worship. They get a little worried about it. They think it's a little bit too churchy. You know, you're getting a little bit too carried away there, talking about worship all the time. Well, if you're saved, you might, might as well get used to it. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of that going on. You think about Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And personally, I believe Revelation 4, chapter 4, verse 1, marks the rapture. Where the scripture says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, uh, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be thereafter. I believe that marks the, the rapture in the book of Revelation. And then Revelation chapter 4 goes on to tell us about the worship that's going to take place. Excuse me. Then verse 10. What are we going to do? So the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and casteth their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. One of the very first things we do when we get to heaven is worship him. What a joy. You know, you hear people talk, well, the first thing I do when I get to heaven, I'm going to track down brother so-and-so, or I'm going to track down my parents, or I want to see the person that led me to the Lord, or I want to see Paul or Moses. Jesus is the one we'll be looking forward to, to seeing. We will be worshiping him in heaven. We need to get to what we used to worship down here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You understand that true worship comes from the heart. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you have a hymnal in your hand in church. No, it's what's going on in your heart while you're holding that hymnal and while you're singing those songs. Psalm 54, verse 6. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. You know, right there is a good enough reason to praise the Lord. Because he is good. Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 111, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Listen, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. What a joy to be able to gather together collectively to praise the Lord. F.B. Meyer said, I believe that if there is one thing which pierces the master's heart, with unutterable grief. It is not the world's iniquity, but the church's indifference. Oh, church is a place to worship the Lord and praise Him. Is that what what is going on in our hearts at this moment? I trust so. 
I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, because it's a place of his presence, his people, his protection, his praise. But in verse 5, we'll see it's a place of God's power. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. What does that have to do with us? We see Jerusalem, not only was it the center of worship for the people of God, but it was also the political center of the nation. It was the capital. And as such, the thrones of judgment, the supreme court of the nation, if you will, was there. Here the king sat on his throne. And as the king, he carried out the important duties necessary to render judgment and execute justice in the nation of Israel. It represented the place of God's authority being exercised. It represented the place where God's work was done. You see, the church represents the place where God's power and his work is accomplished in the lives of people. You know, no greater work on earth can be accomplished than that which is done in the hearts of people today. You know, we can talk about building buildings. We can talk about spanning the nation with highways. We can talk about crossing great expanses of water with with massive bridges and all the different things that we can do with uh, technology and engineering. But all the work that God does in the hearts of his children or the work that God does in the heart of a lost sinner and they come to Jesus and he removes them from the family of Satan and, re- and births them into the family of God. What a great work that is, beloved. You see, church represents the place where God works on the hearts of mankind. Paul said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. There are many today who might mock preaching this practice which we submit ourselves to today but all to recognize the deliverance of the word of God. And God speaks to our heart and moves on us. And by the way, isn't it amazing how we can all sit and hear the same message and yet God speaks to us individually about different things, those things which are most important to our heart. You see, God is concerned about us collectively, but he's also concerned about us individually. And I believe we miss out on many blessings by not being faithful to the house of God. And in church is a place of God's provision. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Israel. They shall prosper that love thee. You see, David prayed for all those who love God, and he prayed that God would prosper them. Now, we're not so foolish as to buy into the prosperity gospel that says, oh, you come to Jesus, you'll be rich. You'll come to Jesus, you have everything you want. You come to Jesus, you'll never be lacking for anything. We're not saying that at all. Not physically, but you come to Jesus and trust him, accept him as your savior. You have thus become a child of God and a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your home now becomes the greatest location in all the universe, and that, of course, is heaven. We sit as a child of the king. Yes, we will have great riches and great joy, but in this life, church represents those who Say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God with my tithes and offerings. I'm going to trust God with my time. I'm going to trust God with my efforts and my activities. And I'm going to come to church and I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to do do what he's told me to do. And I'm going to trust him to cause me to prosper. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to accept him at his word. And know that even though I might have other things on my schedule, other activities I'm interested in, other duties that are pressing, I'm going to be faithful 
to the house of God, and I'm going to trust him to cause me to prosper. Philippians 4.13 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, God takes care of his own. He knows your every need. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. And God can meet every one of those needs. And then lastly, church is a joy to us because it's a place of God's presence, his people, his protection, his praise, his power, his provision, but as well, his peace. Verses 7 and 8. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. You see, David has already alluded to the idea of peace, but now he adds to it by asking the Lord for peace to be bestowed upon everyone inside the walls of Jerusalem, the place where people came to worship. And certainly it is our desire that God would bestow great peace upon every one of his saints who gather together faithfully to worship him. You see, God promises that once we get saved, we are at peace with God. According to Romans, was chapter 5, verse 1. What a joy to know we're no longer enemies of God, but now as children of God, we are at peace with him. But not only do we have peace with God, but we can experience the peace of God in our hearts. The peace that passeth all understanding, according to Philippians, is available to every one of God's children who come to him. How do we learn of that peace? How do we learn how it benefits us? How do we learn how to live our lives in such a way that we can enjoy this great peace? Well, it's through the word of God. And what better place to learn about the word of God than we gather together. Philippians 4, 7, again, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can you experience peace outside of these four walls? Of course you can. What a blessing to know we can gather together and enjoy what the Lord has in store for us here. Not just individually, but collectively. Beloved, private worship is so very important to you every day. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Walk with the Lord daily, but let's be obedient and rejoice when we have the opportunity to collectively, publicly gather together to worship. Yes, this verse begins and ends with the house of God. How appropriate. You see, someone has said, you see, it's like this, God. We could attend church more faithfully if your day came at some other time. You've chosen a day that comes at the end of a hard week, and we're all tired out. Not only that, but it's the day following Saturday night, and Saturday night's the one time we feel that we should go out and enjoy ourselves. Often it's after midnight when we reach home, and it's almost impossible to get up Sunday morning. You must realize, God, that you've picked the very day on which the morning paper comes and takes the longest to read. The day when the biggest meal of the week must be prepared. We'd like to go to church and know that we should, but you've just picked the wrong day. You know, isn't that odd? So many professing Christians actually do 
feel that way. You see, the problem is we refer to Saturday and Sunday as the weekend, but that's an incorrect statement. You realize Sunday is the first day of the week. It's not the seventh day. It doesn't come at the end of a busy week. It falls on the first day of what ought to be a wonderful week. And if we're in the house of God, we can be reminded of that great truth. I close with these two thoughts. Some go to church just for a walk. Some go to church to laugh and to talk. Some go there to uh, the time to spend. Some go there to meet a friend. Some go there for speculation. Others go for observation. Some go to doze and nod. But there are those few who come to worship God. And with this thought, a Sunday school teacher noticed that uh, one of his students had been absent for a long time. So he visited the boy's parents And uh, while there, he found the dad sitting in front of a fireplace. Well, he was glad to know that the the absentee invited the Sunday school teacher into the living room, and they sat there in front of the fire talking. And without saying a word, the Sunday school teacher picked up the fire tongs and reached in and picked up a coal and set it out on the hearth away from the fire. Put down the tongs, sat down again, and they continued with their conversation, which went on for some time. And before their conversation was over, that coal or that piece of wood that uh, the Sunday school teacher had taken from the fire had turned from a glowing red to a black and a dull gray. The fellow looked at him and said, I got the message. My children and I will be in church next Sunday. You see, when we pull away from gathering together as God's people, a dullness a coldness is likely to set in. Thank God for those of you who remain faithful to the Lord during these days we were apart. But now we're able to gather back together. Let's make sure we do so. And like David say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord.